There's real truth and there's the hill truth. Hey, it's your old pal Ted the Hillbilly Hill. Welcome you back to another episode of the critically acclaimed, award-winning, number one podcast in Antarctica where we talk about the bad guys, the villains, the heels of professional wrestling. That's right, it's the Hill Truth Wrestling Podcast. And you are listening to us on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your audio listening pleasure. You can also find us over on YouTube, the Hill Truth Podcast, or I think if you put one of them little at symbols, Ted Hill, Billy Hill, you can find it on YouTube there too. Now over on YouTube, we don't have the long form of the podcast. All we're doing is shorts. Now some of them relate to some of the episodes and some of them are just fun little wrestling shorts and some other little things we're going to be putting in there. So go on over to the YouTube and uh, subscribe, follow, hit the notification bell and then go on whatever audio platform you are. Make sure you're following us on that platform, okay? And we'd really appreciate a five-star review. So if you're on Apple, you can leave a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. Now, some of these other platforms don't have anything. But we've got a way to take care of that, okay? You can leave a five-star, like I said, on Spotify, screenshot it. Or if you're listening on another platform that don't have any kind of rating system, just drop us an email. Because, see, we're not on social media. But you can get a hold of us at healtruthpodcast at gmail.com. And I like to read out reviews. We try to read them out every week that we got one. And if you just want to talk about wrestling, if you got a show idea, if you got a comment, suggestion, whatever, interact, let us know. And also, you can help us grow this podcast by YouTube or whatever listening platform you're on. There's usually a little share button there. So if you'll hit that little share thing and you can put it out on Twitter or you can put it on Instagram or wherever you want to share it, send it to you, your mom or dad or your cousin or whoever. Send it to them by text, email, but go ahead and share that out, all right? So we appreciate each and every one of you. All right, everyone. Uh, if you look at the description, sorry, this week, this is not a new episode. This is one from the archives, but I just wanted to come on here and give you a little quick tell you what was going on. Uh, had a life-changing event this past weekend, and uh, I just really didn't have time to do a whole new episode and give you all the best uh, that I could give you, so I just wanted to give you something out of the archives but promise we'll be back next week with a new episode, but we just thank y'all for being patient with us, but uh, just really excited. Uh, we have my oldest son and his wife have been trying to do an adoption for the last year and a half. It's an international adoption. This will be their first child. This will be old Ted's first grandchild, and they've been the last month in Serbia. It's an international adoption. And we just picked them up um, this past weekend. So now they have their first child, our first grandchild, a little six-year-old girl. Uh, she has autism, but she's just 
is smart and is funny and knows just enough English to be adorable. So I am in full grandpa mode. So that's right. I didn't have time to really get into a good episode, but this one is one from the archives that a lot of people really enjoyed. Hill analytics about the numbers, uh, wins, losses, and uh, booking of hills. So I do think you'll find it interesting if you've never listened to it. And if you have listened to it, hey, give it a listen again. Also, we do have our shout-out promo ad. Uh, we'll be somewhere in the middle of it there. And this week it'll be from Jaded Wrestling, our friends Will and Taylor. And be sure to check out their link in the description. Okay, so again, we appreciate y'all. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until next time, there's the real truth, then there's the heel truth. I'm going to talk some heel analytics. And that may sound boring, but I think it's going to be very interesting. Okay, so we're going to go through some numbers, and I think that if you'll just bear with this and listen through it, this may change the way that you look at booking and wrestling and some other stuff like that, okay? So uh, we're just going to, again, thank each and every one of you, and uh, thank you for listening, all the five-star reviews, all that. Okay, from the very beginning of this podcast, we've talked about how heels... Uh, in a classic sense, are there to be the villain, okay? The antagonist to the protagonist or the hero, the baby face. And as I said, wrestling is storytelling. It's an art form, okay? And the basis of stories back from the Bible, Shakespeare, whoever wrote a book is... The good guy or good versus evil or a good guy has something, whether it be the elements or nature or something that comes against him and he has to overcome. Now, of course, there's exceptions, okay? But I'm saying in a classic sense, and in wrestling, that's what it's been. You have the baby face, the good guy the fans want to cheer for, and then you have the heel who they want to boo who makes you want to hate them. And uh, we know, I uh, did a whole episode about, uh, you know, about how the anti-heel or the anti-hero, which has been very prevalent in pop culture and movies and stuff today. But I think when it still bears down to it, you got somebody you want to pull for. And a great heel is somebody who can lose. They do need to win some to remain credible. But at the end of the day, they can lose. They try to make the good guy look good, and in turn, um, get the fans to not like them. And then a great heel, a really great heel, is one of those that you know you're not supposed to like them, but deep down you want to, you do like them. And think about movies and stuff you've seen like that, or stories where the bad guy you just you knew was despicable, you knew his morals, you knew that. He did things that weren't politically correct. You knew all that, but there was just something about him that made you want to pull for him. Well, that's why we have a lot of our heels today and throughout time. What really got me thinking about this, and I've mentioned this before, how Arn Anderson had talked about he lost a lot. And his job was to make, you know, the other guys look good, whether it be him and Tully against the Rock and Roll Express or him and... Um, Ole Anderson against Rock and Roll Express, or him and, 
you know, either one Tully or Ole against uh, Magnum and Dusty or him in singles against Magnum or Dusty or just the different ones to make them look good. You know, you had to, you would sell and uh, you'd cheat and whatever to get the fans not to like you, but to make the baby face look good. And, you know, I'd always kept that in my mind, but here recently, Ric Flair and Eric Bischoff have um, had some beef with each other on Twitter and on their podcast. And uh, Rick had said in one of those interviews, uh, talking about uh, how when Eric Bischoff took over WCW, brought in Hogan and Savage, that he did the job for him. You know, he took the losses. You know, Flair said for years, you know, to be a 20-time world champion, you had to lose 19 of them, right? So he wasn't afraid to lose, and he would put them over. And he said, you know, him and the horsemen did that through the Crockett's, and they would do that in WCW when it became that, that they weren't afraid to lose. Now, you would do enough, let them win enough to keep their credibility, and uh, like I said, you know, they would cheat, they'd do whatever. And part of this podcast is there's the real truth and the heel truth. And a great heel can lose and then spin it the next week and you don't even know that they lost the way they talk about it and the way they explain it. So Flair made these comments. I thought, you know, I wonder how much him and Arn really did lose. So for this episode, we're going to talk analytics. I went to Cage Match, and that seems to be the most popular one. There's other websites that have win-loss records, total matches, all that. And I just looked up some different wrestlers of the past and the present, babyface and heels, and I thought we would go through some of them and let you see how much they won. Now, I think this is total matches, which would probably include tag team, but most of these wrestlers made most of their time as singles, uh, even though like Arn and Tully were the brain busters and they did do some tagging, but you know, they had a lot of singles runs too. So different things like that, uh, you know, so I focused more on that. I didn't do the ladies and down the road, I may go back and see if they're booked the same. Um, didn't do a lot of new AEW people because AEW is a small company or, uh, new company um, that started out and a lot of these guys have got a lot of years but a lot of it was spent in uh, Ring of Honor in New Japan on the indies and even though Cage Match would include that a lot of the New Japan stuff especially like Bucks and Omega I'm not familiar with their booking style I'm mainly talking about North American booking okay so I'm not going through every wrestler everything just some that stood out to me and some that just entered my mind and when I tell you um, how many matches they had, and again, these are approximate. I did not include all the decimal points. And if I tell you the percentage that they won, percentage they lost, percentage that they tied or went to a draw, it may not equal exactly 100 because there's decimals. Sometimes I round it up. Sometimes I round it down. And cage match may not include everything. And if it misses something, okay, please do not get all, oh God, you did this or that, whatever. This is a general rule of thumb, but I think it does give a great indication of some patterns that you need to look for. Now, of course, there's exceptions, but I think the patterns are what's most interesting. So let's get right into it. And I want you to think as I'm calling these out, 
how that wrestler spent most of their career. Was it as a baby face? And was it as a uh, heel? And you can sort of see the patterns. So Ric Flair said that he put over Hogan and uh, Savage and that uh, he lost a lot. Well, Ric Flair has approximately, according to Cage Match, again, these are all according to them, almost 5,000 matches. Okay? He won 51%. That's it. So almost 50-50. He lost 39%, and about 9% of them were draws. Now, some of these older wrestlers are going to have higher draws because back in the day, especially on when they do the house shows or the live events, they would, um, you know, go to a time limit draw to protect both wrestlers so that the belt didn't have to be changed. But think about that. Flair, 51, 39, and 9 out of 5,000 matches almost. So he did lose quite a bit. Okay, so the other horsemen, Arn and Tully, talked about them. Arn had about 2,200 matches. 45% win, 47% loss, 7% draw. Arn said, I lost a lot. Tully Blanchard, 45% win, 43% loss, 12% draw out of about 1,700 matches. So I think that was proven what they done, said that they did put their opponents over a lot. Okay? So now, all right, let's first look at Roddy Piper. Okay? We're going to go through some of these heels from past decades first. And baby faces too. It'll be sprinkled in. Piper never won the world championship. Some consider him one of the greatest heels of all time. Had about 2,000 matches. 50% win, 42% loss, 7% draw. Hmm. Let's go and see who else back in the day. Rick Rude, another great one. Not to really win a major world title like that. Um, about 1,500 matches. 48% win, 44% loss, 8% draw. Again, are we picking up a pattern here? Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, okay? Uh, you know, AWA, WWF, little run in a WCW, another one of those great heels everybody loves. 2,200 matches, 53% win, 35% loss, 12% draw. Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, great heel in the Mid-South. Then he rose up, went to WWF, had the Million Dollar Man gimmick. 2,700 matches, 54% wins, 39% loss, 7% draw. Hmm. Again, very interesting. Let's see, who else we got back from the... Uh, now a word from our sponsors. Whether you're new in town or been here for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to show us some From liking and subscribing on YouTube to leaving a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Anything and everything helps. You can also interact with us on Facebook and on the YouTube community tab. 
we want your feedback for future episodes. Just search for Jaded Rasslin on your favorite platform and let us know your thoughts. Last but certainly not least, we also have merch for sale on ProWrestlingTees.com. Olden days there. Okay. Scott Hall or Razor Ramon. Okay. 1,600 matches. 59% wins. 36% loss. 5% draw. So close to 60, but still like 60-40. Okay. Let's see. How about HBK? Okay. Shawn Michaels. Now, he had a heel run, but he also had some babyface run. He had some babyface tag team stuff. So his and the way he was booked is a little bit higher. 2,100 matches, 68% win, 27% loss, 4% draw. So do you see there? He had quite a bit of babyface, even as DX when they were babyfaces. Okay. Undertaker. Okay, did a lot of heel stuff at the beginning, had some heel in the middle, but a lot of baby face, and the way he was booked also, and sometimes I said there's exception, but he was booked as this just phenom, this, you know, just larger than life character, 2,500 matches, 75% win, 21% loss, 4% draw, so you see some of those older ones that in that heel that spent a lot of time as a heel, there was uh, a little bit difference there. You know, Undertaker being an exception, but the rest of them were, you know, HBK spent a lot of time as a face, though, too. So, but those that were primarily heel, they uh, seemed like that they had quite a bit of losses. Okay, let's look at some baby faces from back in the day. We talked about Flair. Let's look at the opposite of Flair, Hulk Hogan. Hulkamania, 2,100 matches, 74% win, 18% loss, 6% draw. So we know most of those come during Hulkamania. Uh, then even as Hollywood Hogan didn't have a lot of losses there when we start the anti-heel, and he was booked that way. So again, a lot of big uh, wins from that. All right. Let's see who else, uh, back in the olden days, Brett the Hitman Hart, 3,000 matches, okay? Brett has 64% win, 25% loss, 10% draw. So another one there that was uh, more wins. In the 60s, and Brett spent a little bit of a time as a heel, but a long run as a babyface there. So, see the difference. Okay. Now, if we also want to go, who else we got? Back in the old Dusty Roads, 4,000 matches. 68% wins, 24% loss, 8% draw. Okay. Starting to see the pattern here. Let's go back to one of the biggest baby faces also back in the day in the Mid-South. He was just as big as Hogan in the Mid-South, not on a national level, but back then, the Junkyard Dog. 2,000 matches, 75% win, 
20%. Loss, 5% draw. Okay. So then, as we move into the 90s and some of the 2000s, let's see who else we got here. Okay. On the heel side, um, let's talk about Kurt Angle. Spent time as a babyface and as a heel. And I thought this one was interesting. Mr. Kurt Angle, only 1,500 matches, had some injuries. But Kurt Angle, 51% win, 45% loss, 3% draw. Triple H, most of his time as a heel. 2,000 matches, 52% win, 44% loss. 4% draw. Edge, the rated R superstar, still wrestling today. He's had some run as a babyface, but the majority of it's been a heel. 1,700 matches. 48% win, 48% loss, 3% draw. So the pattern continues, as you can see there. Um, let's see who else we got. Jeff Jarrett, who's still around today, um, had his time as a heel. Actually, he was a babyface in uh, Memphis, then a heel in WWF, heel in WCW. Um, you know, he, TNA, mainly heel, but he had some babyface back to heel now. Uh, but old, good old Double J, 2,200 matches, 57% win. 39% loss, 4% draw. So, still, big losing record. Um, RVD, or no, excuse me, let's go Mick Foley. Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Mankind, all that. Yes, he did have some babyface stuff there, but a lot of his early career was a heel. 45% win. 49% loss, 6% draw in 1,500 matches, okay? Right, so the attitude error there. So let's go and look. Two biggest stars of the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Remember him? 1,500 matches, 56% win, 36% loss, 8% draw. So, Stone Cold on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore. But he did spend time as a heel in WCW and early WWF before he became the Rattlesnake. And you can see this. The Rock. Bright babyface, heel, Nation of Domination, The Rock, heel, a little bit of a baby face, heel. The Rock's only wrestled 900 matches. But this one was interesting, because I thought The Rock, the way they would have booked him, would have been more wins. 53% wins, 41% losses, and 5% draws. Hmm. Man, I'm telling you. What are y'all thinking about that? Are you starting to see something? Now, who were some of the definite baby faces during this area? During this um, error, excuse me. John Cena, of course. Cena. 
the new Hogan. 2,300 matches, 78% win, 19% loss, 2% on the draw side. Okay? So Cena was booked to win. Steam. I mean, him and Flair had great matches. Him and Muda, him and Vader, Sting, babyface pretty much all his career, 2,100 matches, 74% win, 20% loss, 5% draw. Okay? Goldberg, the big winning streak. Now, <laughs> this is tell you how they booked Goldberg. He only had 400 matches so far in his career. Approximately. 85% win, 9% loss, 5% draw. So that tells you how they book Goldberg. Whether you like Goldberg or not, if you're going to bet on the percentages, he's probably going to win. CM Punk. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Let me go back to one first before I get into those that are uh, maybe a little bit both. Ray Mysterio. Babyface most of his life. I think he had one little stint, maybe, but pretty much babyface beloved by all. He's lost a lot here in the last couple of years. But still, 2,300 matches. Rey Mysterio had 68% wins, 29% loss, and 3% draws. So if you listened earlier, Bret Hart only had a 64% winning percentage. So that means Rey Mysterio has a better winning percentage than Bret Hart. What do y'all think about that? All right, CM Punk. Heel, face, a little bit of both. Been in the news a lot lately. 1,700 matches. 58% win, 39% loss, 3% draw. So even his winning percentage, getting over 60, it's still... You know, 58%. So, like, not quite 6 out of 10 he's going to win there. Now, what about some newer wrestlers, okay? Um, John Moxley. He's done a lot of heel work and some babyface work. Right now, he's a babyface. Uh, you know, but he's sort of a tweener. 1,900 matches. 59% wins, 38% loss, 2% draws. Uh, what about Seth Rollins? Okay. Pretty much a heel the whole time. A little bit of a baby face. Seth, just not afraid to put anybody over either. 2,000 matches, 51% win, 46% loss, 3% draw. Now this one I thought was interesting. A good winning percentage, also higher than Bret Hart, is Bobby Lashley with 900 matches. 66% win, 31% loss, and 2% draw for Mr. Bobby Lashley. Adam Cole, baby. Been a heel quite a lot. Only been in 850 matches. 50% win. 47% loss, 2% draw. So that tells you about Adam Cole. All right. Let's go to the big dog, the tribal chief, Roman. He had a big run as a babyface there where they pushed him and pushed him about like Cena 
nobody liked him. They finally changed him heel, but he's been done as a dominant heel, so he still kept that winning. So, 1,400 matches, 73% wins, 24% loss, 2% draws. So Roman's another one of those that they booked a little bit different because they had booked him as a monster heel. And I've talked about that in other episodes and how it's, you got to be careful how you book those. All right, Mr. Cody Rhodes, Mr. AEW, now back to WWE, coming back from the injury. What's it going to look like in 2023? Mr. Cody Rhodes has 1,900 matches. But Mr. Cody Rhodes only has a 46% winning percentage, 52% loss, and a 2% draw. So maybe next time people accuse Cody Rhodes of not putting people over, he's put people over more than he's went over in his career. All right. So we got some of those. Now, who are two other active wrestlers? Like I said, I didn't really include a lot of the AEW newer people because of just the way the business is and the way they're a younger company and a lot of newer stars. But let's do talk about the AEW World Champion, MJF. Now, his AEW record has been stellar. I mean, when you look it up, he's won more than he's lost, a lot more. He barely has wrestled. But through the MLW that he wrestled before and some of those other big indie promotions. MJF, 43% win, 50%, 57% loss, and less than 1% draw. So he hasn't had a lot of time limit draws. But he has had that 43% uh, loss. What do you think about that? But he's only wrestled in 500 matches. But he still wrestled a hundred more matches in Goldberg. But MJF, who right now will probably be a dominant champion by cheating, not like Roman and be, well, Roman still cheats, but, you know, it won't be a power game. It'll be a slippery mind game. Chris Jericho, the Ocho, the Wizard. 2,500 matches, 51% win, 46% loss, and 2% draw. So what does that mean? That means that Jericho throughout his career has been mostly heel and he's not been afraid to put somebody over. So Jericho just recently put over Action Andretti. He's put other people over and not been afraid to, you know. Uh, and that's why he's got about a 50-50 almost. Brian Danielson. What about him, the American Dragon? So he had a good baby face run as the Yes Movement. Don't really know a lot of the indies. He's done a little bit of both. Now he's been sort of a tweener, but still a baby face. 1,910 matches, about a 61% winning percentage, 36% loss, and a 3% draw. So even Mr. Danielson, about 60-40 on his, but still, when you compare to some of these that have been tweeners or have done those 50, maybe in the 60s, but 
right at 60, but the majority of those super baby faces, Hogan, Brett, Cena, Sting, Rey Mysterio, look at them. Okay, Hogan in the 70s, Brett in the 60s, Cena in the 70s, Sting in the 70s, Rey Mysterio in the 60s. Uh, Punk, almost 60, uh, but you know, like I said, he's been taker 75%. HBK, you know, he's a, one of those that's teetered, but he has had several babyface stuff, so that's the 68%. Uh, Bobby Lashley, 66%. Dusty Rhodes, 68%. I said Roman's a little bit different, but he did have several years as a babyface. And he's at 73. RVD, 65%. Junkyard Dog, 75%. So, what does all this mean? This means that if you are a heel and you lock heels, they are going to lose about 50% of the time. Okay? That's just the math. Now, I know booking will change. Things will change. I know sometimes WWE does different stuff, but now we're Triple H there. We'll see if these patterns hold. But I thought this was interesting when I went through this list of some of these big-name baby faces and big-name heels. There's a big difference. I mean, like I said, Rey Mysterio has a better winning percentage than Bret Hart and Ric Flair. I mean, think about it. S so does Bobby Lashley. They have a better winning percentage. So maybe when we see somebody book and they start losing some matches, we think, oh, God, they're getting buried. No, they're not. Take right now FTR. You know I love FTR. When they were heels, they were losing to everybody. They finally got on a run in 2022. They became baby faces, and they won all the time. Now here at the end of the year, this great run is baby faces. They're still losing the belt, but they've had, you know, they put the acclaimed over, okay? They lost to the gun club to maybe set up some more of that story to put those young guys over. And I think that's why they've been good baby faces because they were heels first and they knew how to um, lose. They knew how to sell. And I think that's something that's great. Now, there's other people, you know, look up your favorite wrestler because if you have a favorite wrestler, if he is a great baby face, he'll probably win. But if you're pulling for a heel, expect him to lose most of the time. Or at least, you know, almost 50% of the time. So I think that is something that, you know, just really stood out to me when Flair said, the horseman lost all the time to put these other guys over. But at the end of the day, isn't that what the majority of the fans want? The majority of them that like the baby faces and like to dislike the heels. But you know, we love the heels. And that's why when I see my heels lose, it doesn't bother me. I don't think they're always getting buried. I don't think they're going through all this stuff. It's just, hey, that's the way booking has been done for decades. So go to cage match or one of those other things. Check the numbers out on your favorite wrestler. You know, I'd love to hear something in the comments. I'd love for you to put, hey, I looked up my favorite wrestler and he was like this or this and see how they're booked and take a look at it. Because I think that this, if you really look at it, you may not get so tied up 
in everything. Now, the heels still have to win enough to stay credible. They still have to cheat enough. They still have to take it to a time limit draw, some of these other things, okay? But at the end of the day, you know, they're going to lose. It's okay if they lose some. One of my other favorite wrestlers, I want one last one we'll throw at you. William Regal, great wrestler. We've seen what he done with the Blackpool Combat Club. We've seen his promos. We've seen what he's done over the years. 1,732 matches, 41% wins, 55% loss, 4% draw. He is like less than 45%. So do you think that William Rico is unselfish? Do you think that he worries about all that stuff? But he was credible. And that was the thing about some of these great heels. They might have lost more. Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, the Horseman. They may have lost a lot, but they were credible. And you thought they could win at any time because you knew they could cheat. So I think this is a very interesting episode. I think it's a very interesting way to start out 2023. So appreciate y'all for listening in. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Hillbilly Hill, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from. Appreciate all the five-star reviews, okay? Um, and I need to read one of those out for you. All right, so let me read one out uh, for you. This is on Apple, and this is from Nakona for Life, and I know who this is, and thank you so much. Uh, they said, The Real Podfather. If you want to sit under the learning tree of wrestling, this is the place to go. Ted has great insights on the inner workings of professional wrestling and keeps it fresh and original by focusing on the heels, bad guys. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who's looking for a great wrestling show. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I know who that is, and I don't know if they want me to tell their real name or not, but I appreciate you. Uh, there's several podcasts that have uh, given five-star reviews, and I need to get those back and uh, I don't have Apple products. Uh, I have to, it takes me a lot of work to pull all this up sometimes, but uh, my wife does have one, and whenever I can sneak that phone away from her, I promise you I will be giving some love back to y'all because there's a lot of great podcasts out there. And remember, check out my pinned tweet coming this week. Look at all the accounts, all the podcasts. Check out Smack Raw. Um, just... You know, interact with these podcasts, leave them five-star reviews, leave them five-star ratings, uh, help them grow, okay? So we appreciate each and every one of you. Keep these analytics in mind. I know it may seem a little boring just going through numbers, but look at this kind of stuff and see what you think about it, all right? Until next time, there's the real truth, then there's the heel truth.